Welcome to Indie Matters, the podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis. This week on the podcast, I talk with reporter Michelle Rendells as she breaks down Governor Steve Sisolak's plan to reopen the state, as many want to return to some sense of normal amid the coronavirus pandemic. After that, reporter Humberto Sanchez talks with Representative Mark Amaday about his three-week-long quest to get small gaming businesses included in federal coronavirus relief efforts. At the end of the show, editor John Ralston and you, Jacob, break down some of the best and worst Oscar nominations of the past few decades, and which ones might be worth a quarantine rewatch. Before we move on, we wanted to give you a quick update on where things stand this week regarding the coronavirus. As of recording this podcast on Friday, May 1st, confirmed cases of COVID-19 exceed 5,200 and 243 people have died statewide. Those numbers will likely have increased by the time you hear this. While there are signs that the most damaging public health effects of the virus may be leveling out for now, the economic damage has continued to worsen as the shutdown looks to continue into at least the first few weeks of May. Since the start of the crisis, more than 390,000 Nevadans have filed for unemployment, or about a quarter of the state's total workforce. It's an unemployment number that hasn't been seen since the Great Depression, and it's led to leadership shakeups at the state's Department of Employee Training and Rehabilitation, which oversees the unemployment system. Still, there may be an end to sight in the so far endless lockdown, even if things may not be back to normal anytime soon. We'll have more details on that in Joey's interview with reporter Michelle Rendells about the governor's plan to gradually reopen the state's economy. All right, so I am here with reporter Michelle Rendells. And Michelle, you have just gotten back from the uh, governor's press conference tonight. Uh, How did that go? So, uh, you know, Governor Sisolak has been getting a lot of flack, especially in recent days, uh, by people who say we want more of a defined plan on when we're going to reopen. And if you don't give us a plan, we're going to reopen, you know, our businesses on our own. So Governor Sisolak basically presented what he's calling the roadmap to recovery and it's a 28-page document that kind of gives a little more definition to certain things. He kind of envisions, let's say, up to four different phases for the state to go through, envisions that first phase to begin May 1st, um, and otherwise is planning to extend his stay-at-home directive with some very small exceptions for now. So I think the goal was to really try to look like there was something more defined uh, in place that people can look forward to. So what, what are some of those more defined things? Like what were the things he outlined? A lot of this stuff is going to stay in place under this phase one that's going to start in mid-May, supposedly. Still, they don't want anyone in groups over 10. They don't want nightclubs and malls and large sporting events, large church services, all this kind of stuff. They don't want any of that. Um, but we're talking about some gradual openings of certain businesses that haven't closed totally, non-essential businesses. It sounds like there's a consideration of a gradual opening of dine-in restaurants, which would be a significant deal because at this point it's all delivery and curbside pickup. Casinos and gaming establishments would not open, at least in the early part of phase one. So we don't really know how long phase one is going to last, maybe two to three weeks, maybe longer but it won't include casinos yet. So it's really just um, a couple little openings in the current directive that we see. Okay. And so we're in phase one now, or we will be soon. Uh, How do we know when we're done with phase one? You know, what is the, what is the defining line between phase one and phase two? 
Well, one of the issues is that this virus takes uh, a couple weeks to incubate. So if someone had their big Easter gathering, you may not see a big surge of cases <laughs> spread through Easter gatherings for about two weeks. So mm-hmm. it's the same thing here. They want to give each phase probably at least two weeks to see if any of that is spurring issues and if they're seeing a lot of cases crop up as a result of certain businesses being reopened. So the sense that we got this presser is it's going to be two to three weeks, um, at least on this first phase. Uh, And some of those other phases where there's more open might be longer. Um, But this is all going to be determined by the data and the metrics they're looking at on hospitalizations and severity of cases and the rate of cases. One positive thing that we did here at the press conference was that Nevada does believe it has enough tests to test anyone who shows up with symptoms, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a big deal because for so long we'd been told that we kind of need to ration those tests. Um, But with the capability to at least test everyone that's showing symptoms, that's a, a milestone that kind of gives more latitude yeah, I was actually, I was talking to Dr. Mark Pandori with the Nevada State Public Health Lab today, and he was saying that he would feel comfortable kind of opening the state up if we were ha- around four or 5,000 people a day being tested. Um, I know that the health lab has the capacity to do about 1,000 people a day. I think, you know, if we get to that point, at least the some of the experts are saying that they would feel comfortable with, you know, opening up of businesses. Um, can you kind of explain to me, we've gotten to this first phase, What what is the second and third, you know, how many phases are there? And what do each of them look like? Well, we're not quite in phase one. We're in phase zero, which is just kind of a preparation period in hopes that we'll get to phase one. Um, And the idea is that uh, we are on a downward trajectory. We're on a positive trend, but we haven't seen that trend consistently over full 14 days, which was sort of the benchmark that Sisolak had laid out. So From what we can tell, the state kind of reached a peak and started heading downhill on these trends around the 24th of April. And so do the math, we're about six days into a 14-day potentially positive trend. Uh, So they want to see that that carries out for the rest of that period of time before we jump into phase one. Phase two is a little bit ill-defined at this point. A lot of the discussion was about phase one. Um, But I think we're going to later see the opening of the casinos. We're going to see certain restrictions on the dine-in restaurants kind of be pulled back. And I think at some point, you know, we'll be looking at those large scale events. Um, But that does seem like at this point it's pretty far down the road and he's not really (laughs) assigning that to any particular phase. So I know that some of the casinos are already taking bookings for like May 15th or, you know, May 22nd, a little bit later on in the month. Um, are there, I guess they're expecting to be open. Do you, do the governor talk about that at all? Well, the governor did say that any reopenings of the casinos are going to have to be approved by the gaming control board and they need to present a very specific plan about how they're planning to keep their employees and their customers safe. Uh, and at this point, I don't think we've, we've seen any of those plans publicly. I think they're going to be submitted kind of confidentially initially to the gaming control board. Our colleague Megan Messerly talked yesterday with the chairwoman of the Gaming Control Board a little bit about this and asked that very question, like, why are these casinos accepting reservations for 
you know, May 15th and onward, do they know something that we don't? And her thought was that they are probably just trying to project a willingness to open as soon as possible and kind of, you know, give the customers a little bit of hope. But uh, from that interview, I don't think we're, I don't think there's some sort of secret directive being given to the casino saying, okay, here's a date. It's going to be May 15th. Um, And that's, I think, been the frustration. Even after uh, today's press conference, people are still criticizing the fact that we don't have a specific date. I think that's sort of the point is that you don't pin down a date um, because you don't want it to be arbitrary. You want it to be based on the trend of hospitalizations and other health-related metrics. Uh, but I think that's just been, been pretty frustrating for people. And I think there's been some criticism that why don't you, you know, tell us exactly this algorithm of metrics that you're using to determine these dates. Yeah. You know, um, it's not just the number of cases. It's not just the percentage of cases. It's a, a variety of factors. And so I think that's been a little bit of a frustration for people is what's the formula here. Yeah. And he didn't give that formula tonight. He didn't reveal the formula. Okay. Um, what are the counties doing right now, you know, with the reopen, the slow gradual reopening? Well, a lot of the counties have been pretty frustrated by this order as it wears on. Um, one example that our colleague Riley Snyder wrote about was Elko County. They had a commission meeting and they had a plan already. They have stickers that they want to put out on businesses that say these businesses are complying with safety measures and are okay to open and they wanted them to open on May 1st. Um, That would be in violation of the governor's order pretty much um, unless they're only doing curbside or delivery. Governor Sislak did seem to really make a pivot through this plan um, and and make things a little bit less top-down, a little bit less you know, I make this executive order and everybody follows it and a little more collaborative and a little more uh, seemingly accepting of the different conditions that are going on in various counties of various sizes and densities. Um, So he is calling this advisory panel called LEAP. It's Local Empowerment Advisory Panel. And it's got Clark County Commission Chairwoman Marilyn Kirkpatrick. It's got Eureka County Commission Chairman, J.J. Goikachia, and it's got a couple of other people in between. So uh, what they're going to try to do is consult this group, try to bring a little more geographic diversity um, into the decision-making process, and really try to empower some of the counties to make their own decisions. At the end of the day, it does sound like Sislak has some veto power. Um, There's going to be a baseline of statewide requirements, and these counties are not supposed to come up with their own rules if they're less restrictive than these. So, you know, you can't just say, I'm going to open all restaurants to dine in full occupancy unilaterally. Like if, if the state said no, um, then that would not work. All right. Well, thank you for breaking all that down for us, Michelle. And uh, like I said, if you want to read more in depth about any of this, you can check it out on our website. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Joey. And now we'll hear an interview between our man in D.C., Humberto Sanchez, and Representative Mark Amade about his efforts to get small gaming businesses covered under federal coronavirus relief packages. A quick note, this interview was recorded over the phone, and you might hear some stray background noise, like wind chimes or some chirping birds. This interview was also cut down for length, so we could share it with you on the podcast. If you want to get the full scope of Amade's interview, you can read Humberto's full report on the NevadaIndependent.com. 
we're really interested in how the whole uh, PPP and the, the accommodation for small casinos came together. So we'd, we'd love just to get like a, a blow by blow of what happened, you know. It, it, so the program ramps up, uh, it goes up on April 3rd. We find out the rule. The rules come out saying no, no smoke gaming for thirty three percent. So, what do you guys do? Uh, and was there somebody who was in the lead, or how did you guys handle it? Well, I mean, I can only I can only speak for sure. myself sure. because uh, um, our, our involvement. I talked to Susie a couple of times. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked to Dina's office a couple of times about the legislation that Dina introduced, and I think that the delegation sent a letter that I might have signed on yeah. to. Yeah. Um, but but the problem is is I mean first of all it's all time sensitive Humberto yeah, yeah. and I didn't know I, I didn't know because in the in, before we voted on cares uh, Secretary Mnuchin said because there were some people quite frankly that were leery in the Republican conference uh, when they heard SBA they go well that does not make me feel real good in terms of nimble and fast and mm-hmm. getting stuff out right and so the, the briefing went kind of like this we're going to make the banks the gatekeeper it's going to be a quick application one no more than two pages and sba and, and, and i remember this very well sba's only role would be to guarantee the loans right. and so it was like Okay, I think that that makes some sense. And quite frankly, the part about having the banks, not that anything's perfect, but I mean, everybody was in a hurry. Having the banks basically be the gatekeepers, like, okay, that's good. And you know what? That worked for getting money out quick. Now, there's some stuff you need to tune up in hindsight, um, and and there were some glitches and whatever. But the part that caught, that caught me completely by surprise was I get a call from one of the folks who owns, who has a casino, Mm. who has 500, and he goes, hey, my financial guy says we can comply with the 500, but this guidance of 33% of the income, and and Humberto, I'm not a gaming guy, but, but... but you don't have to get up too early in the morning to know that if you're in the gaming business and you're making a third or less of your money from gaming, you're not a very good gaming business person. And so it's like, well, hell, this won't work. So, um, so we went to we went to work. My office went to work in terms of, hey, you guys, this isn't going to work. So Mark Meadows was new in the right. chief of staff thing at that point in time, and it's like. Mark, I try to be a, a, a no-maintenance guy. If I got a problem, I solve it myself. This is a problem. And and I never, Humberto, I never called the SBA lady at any point in time because my understanding was, hey, th- this is something that ultimately is Mnuchin's deal. Yeah, yeah. And so we started bugging Mnuchin and his legislative, uh, his legislative deputy chief of staff and the White House, which was... Uh, I reached out to Eric uh, Ulan, yeah. who's the who's the head guy in the White House for legislation, and said, "Eric, this is this is awful. You've just excluded the vast majority of gaming licensees in the state of Nevada, yeah. and there's 42 other states. Right. Kentucky's horse racing, blah 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 blah, and and so basically, we pushed. I called Kevin McCarthy and said, Kevin, I, I need your help on this. I don't." And so it's okay. So he talked and whatever. Let me tell you what Eric Euland was the first guy because Meadows was drinking from a fire hose. Yeah, yeah. I talked to Euland, and Euland said, "You know what? Let me um, 
let me bring this up. I got a call from Larry Kudlow, uh-huh. <laughs> who I'd just seen on TV before, right? right? And so, and he says, "Listen, he says you're going to win, but you're going to have to hang in there. This is going to take a little bit." And I said, "Well, you know what? That's fine, but we all know that that money isn't going to last very long, right? Even though it's a huge amount of money, so this is very time sensitive." And so Mnuchin did several conference calls, I assume with both conferences, but in a Republican one, I, I got it into the, what McCarthy said is, I'll make sure you get the first question with Kudlow. Okay. Okay. So I got the first question with Kudlow, and that was, that was a, a week before the 50% stuff came out. And I said, hey, this, Bob, and he says, we're working on a solution in real time. And I'm going, Okay. So I had no idea what it was. Right. And so then, so then they brief us the following Monday, um, and and it's like, uh, hey, we're going to make it fifty percent. And and the reaction with the us, uh, there was the guy from Montana. Yeah. Um, what's his Gene, name? Gianforte. There might have been one other member on, and me. And 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 I said, I said fifty percent. It might as well be a third. Right. I said, you know, maybe that helps somebody in another state. But even the taverns in Las Vegas, you know, that, that have all the devices and whatever, it's just 50% does not solve the problem. Right. Well, we're going to go back and go to work on it. So that Monday to the following Monday when the 50% stuff came out, yeah. it's like, okay, they're working on it, blah, blah, blah. And it comes out, and it's basically the 50% still. So they just burned a week yeah. and came out. And a week is forever in this context. Right, right. So then it, it comes out at fifty percent, and then I'm just I'm like I'm I'm feeling like and listen I don't think I was misled, Humberto, mm-hmm. but, but but I'm like this is bull. Yeah. Um, you you burned a week and you came out with the same stuff. So you said you'd taken our comments to heart and we're working on it some more. And to come out basically, and I'm sitting here now going SBA's only role SBA is sending out this guidance that is killing us. Right. And so what the argument was. That, that I was making was this. The CARES Act is a statute. It went through both houses of Congress, and the president signed it. This regulation that you guys are pointing to is a Clinton-era regulation that you guys did under regulation-making authority. Right. The CARES Act says any small business, which is defined as 500 or less, and you people have superimposed a regulation that has no basis in statute even back then. Right. And in normal times, Humberto, it's like, listen, in normal times, that's fine. The gaming folks go get their financing wherever they get it. They don't care about SBA. But in this thing, for SBA to have imposed their peacetime, if you will, regulation was just confounding. So I can tell you this. It had boiled down to the fact, and I put out a press release at some point in time where I said something about it's a good thing these guys aren't the Coast Guard and they're ignoring (laughs) CARES. I mean, I was just pissed. It's like, I shouldn't have to be fighting this hard. To, to basically say the CARES Act is the statute, it's right. the immediate one, it's, it's for this situation, and you guys are, are basically decided that these industries and these employees are not worthy of help in the worst, in the worst economic crisis of modern times. Right. Well, think back, Secretary Mnuchin, uh, did he understand what was happening? He seemed to have like this anti-casino take from the podium that day uh, in, in mid-April, right? And you put, and that's when you put out your statement. I'm not going to put this. I, I, I'm not going to put this at Mnuchin's feet mm-hmm. because I know he was drinking from a fire hose and he was dealing with the big stuff. Sure, sure. But, but I'll tell you what. Well, I'll answer your question this way. 
So we finally got to the point where there was another conference call with the Republican conference and Mnuchin was on and I got in the queue again and, and they called on me and, and, and it, it got to the point where I said, I want to know by name who the person is in Treasury that I'm fighting on this. Mm-hmm. I said, because quite frankly, I can't find anybody that says this is this is what we meant and whatever the heck. And you hear rumors. You know, other members were also, you know, they were everybody was working different stuff, but they were also going, hey, we got a problem in my state, too. Can (laughs) you send us your stuff? And so you're going, where the hell are you people? Right. You know, but having said that, and and this was to Mnuchin, you said, who do I have to talk to? This was direct to Mnuchin. I said, I want to know that. Here's how it ended. I said to him, I want to know the name of the person in Treasury that I'm fighting against, because I can't find anybody to come out of the weeds and say, you're damn right. Gaming, small gaming shouldn't be this way. Big gaming's fine. They're eligible for all the big stuff. But small gaming somehow is the redheaded stepchild. And and I want to know who it is. And I want to know now, because quite frankly, when you put the second group of money in, we know it'll be gone in a week. And so you will have you de facto close them out for eligibility for the first 350 billion and by god this needs to be fixed before the second right which is why it was listen we're trying everything we can i mean dina introduced her her stuff and and don't ask humberto it's like you know it's one of these things where you think well everything's okay i mean gaming's not seen the way it was 40 years ago and whatever but Mm -hmm. somebody in treasury sure as hell saw it that way and 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 it didn't make it into the second stuff yeah. So here's 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 how it ended with Mnuchin. I want the name, and I want to know. And Mnuchin says, "Well, I'm going to have to talk to you online." I said, "You know that'll be great." And I'm sitting by the phone, and I hung up. <laughs> I hung up, and, and all these guys are, are you know, getting calls and texts, and going, "God, that's great. I've never had anybody." And and, and you know, and I said, "Listen, I'm not an asshole, but I've had it. Yeah. I shouldn't be having to work this hard to have them carry out the." damn plain meaning of the statute right any business right and so um at 10 minutes to four sunday before last i get a call or i sent a text and i sent it to uh mark meadows who by the way always i'm gonna help you we're gonna fix we're gonna help you fix this but you know there's so much going on you're going even if the guy owed me his life he's he's drinking from a fire hose so it's one of those things where you're gonna i just gotta basically keep it up keep it up i mean it's been ruined three weeks of my life not that that takes much to do but but anyhow at 10 minutes to four one morning nevada time i'm sitting here awake and so i did a text um I sent it to um, to Mark Meadows, Larry Kudlow, Eric uh, Yulin, um, Kevin McCarthy, and Steve Scalise, and and you know I, I was I think I was I think I was mature about it, but when I read back through it, I mean I used the word bullshit a couple times, and I want to know, you know, and, and it was like this is. This is absolutely a in, anyhow. Yeah. It turns out after I after I, and I said it because it's so. What is it? it's five minutes to seven DC time on a Sunday. Right. I get a call on. Uh, so it was a week ago yesterday. I get a call from uh, from Mark Meadows, and he goes, "Your problem's going to be fixed." Hmm. And I and I said, well, listen, I really appreciate it. Um, but then there's a guy who was a friend of mine who recently came in to take Ben Howard's place, which is uh, Chris Cox. And he, he's the new head house legislative guy, works for you, right? Okay. And so, and so um, Cox calls me 
Tuesday. Uh-huh. And he goes, he goes, um, what is the language that you want? And I said, listen, the American Gaming Association has some language yeah. that's fine with me. Um, I submitted some language. I said, you know, I said, what I want is just a total withdrawal of that advice. Right. And something that says these guys are eligible like any other small business. I said, but if they're wedded to these numbers, if it makes it easier, you move that number up to like 85%. Right. And for the million bucks uh, um, revenue, I I go, listen, that sounds like a lot to you and me. But guess what? These small guys, 160 employees, it's like their gross revenue, a million bucks is going to cut half of them out still. Right. So I said, if you got to move that to something, um, you, you know, move it to like fifteen million or something. Mm-hmm. If, if, if they're absolutely tied, but it gets the job done, move the numbers to where it's meaningless. Um, and 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 so he says, okay, I'll send that on. I, I talked to Cudlow this morning, and blah blah blah. So I'm trying to find. I said, give me an idea of what they're going to do because if they come out with, oh, we moved it up to fifty-five percent. I said. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna kill everybody. I said that's that is absolute. That that is a punch in the nose to this industry, which is fully regulated, fully licensed, pays all the taxes. Christ, to get one of these licenses, you damn near got to go through the background that a federal judge nominee goes through. I, I mean, I'm missing something here. Right. And so he calls me back later the day. <laughs> he goes. He goes. Listen, I'm not telling you what to do. But can you hold your fire for a day, maybe a day and a half? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, Chris, I can do anything you want if the damn thing gets fixed. <laughs> I, I said, basically, I have fully extended on this, and they're either going to carry me out on my shield dead, or they're going to fix it. And, and I don't think I'm asking somebody for a favor. This is the meaning of the carousel. So I shut up for like... Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh-huh. Um, uh, and it, but it was supposed to be embargoed, so uh, um, Meadows said it's going to be fixed. But can you kind of and I yeah, and so I didn't say anything to anybody. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't say anything mean. I didn't say hey, I think it's going to be fixed. I shut the hell up. Um, Thursday morning, I got a call from uh, Mnuchin okay. on my cell, and he says. Um, we're going to approve gaming in, in the in the uh, in in the guidance with the new money that comes out tomorrow. And so uh, I'm thinking, and, and you know, I thank you very much. I appreciate it. I know, blah blah blah. And, and he said, we just thought it would be cleaner if we did it with new money than kind of. And, and this tells you something about what's going on in Treasury. Hmm. Instead of trying to do it midway through the other stuff, we knew that there was going to be more, so we thought this was cleaner rather than plugging it in in the middle of the other stuff. Now, now I'm not telling you I agree with that, yeah. but it's like, so, um, but I still didn't know, Humberto, what the language was going to be. Hmm. Um, and, and so I'm like, and, and I didn't want to say anything. It's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be fixed and whatever, and then have it come out and say 55%, <laughs> like, yeah, fix my ass. So anyhow, I kept my mouth shut, got on a plane to, to come back to Nevada Friday morning so you, at you, 7.30. So you were here that whole time? or uh, you... oh, oh, no, I was in. I, I was doing most of this from Nevada. Yeah, but, so but, I mean, when I got the call from Mnuchin, 
Um, when I got the call from Mnuchin, the last few calls was, was when I was in D.C., but, I mean, I was on the text McCarthy a couple times. I go, you know what? I've been here for nine years, and I've never asked for a heavy lift. Yeah. I said, this is the one time I'm asking. And and so he says, uh, he says, okay, I'm going to talk to Mnuchin. And, and so the, the the call that I called him out, I texted McCarthy, and I go, did you talk to Mnuchin? And he says, he was with Trump. I got to, you know, I'm going to talk to him later afterwards or whatever. And so I just, that's when I just, I said to Mnuchin, I said, I want to know the name of the person who I'm fighting against here, because I can't find anybody who thinks this is a good idea, but yet SBA's reg that has nothing to do with pandemics and, and economic disaster. So anyhow, when I land in Vegas, it's like, hey, the language is pretty good and, and blah, blah, blah. And so I told my staff, anybody that they were talking to that's a small gamer, it's like, you better have your banker on the spot right now, because that. 310 billion yeah. is, is going to go quicker than the first 350 right. so that's that's the long and short of it i am thrilled and and by the way i i sent mnuchin a text thank you so much i appreciate blah 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 and i sent one to uh, to meadows too basically going hey um you know um i i really appreciate it i'm going to go back to being a, a, a low maintenance or no maintenance guy solving my own problems but this is one that was quite frankly Comberto, we started doing some work um out of the 400 and some odd people in nevada according to the gaming control board that have unlimited gaming licenses yeah. like 300 and some on fit the description of 500 employees or less wow and, and that's taking nothing away from the strip guys yeah and and you know somebody said well this is your district i go my district my it's right. 42 other states right. and by the way take a look around vegas at the at the uh you know the the uh the nugget in north las vegas and, and hell i don't know if, if even some of the stuff sunset are uh, down in henderson i don't know how many employees green valley ranch even has. right right but santa fe and and, and the other end of town so and then that's before you get to the taverns and stuff. But but the other thing I'll tell you that set me off was at the very beginning of this, before they had put CARES together, the NRA and all those guys were like, there can be no discrimination against gaming. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Mm -hmm. And the answer to that was it came from Katrina because there were some outfits that were running uh, riverboats on the Mississippi mm -hmm. where you could gamble on them. And when they did all the disaster relief stuff, it was like, no, you riverboat gaming guys aren't eligible for any of it. Tough on you. Wow. So Jim Murin was sitting in, in Trump's office the Monday before we passed CARES. Yeah, I remember. And, and so it's like, well, okay, you know, it's, it, and so we checked. There's anything against gaming? Nope, nope, it's fine. Okay. I mean, that was the big ask. So I felt a hell of a lot of a pressure in terms of, not that small gaming had reached out, but, but, you know, gaming in general had and said, you know, we can't have people say gaming's not eligible. And so when we look in the bill and say, no, we're okay. And, and then I get a call from, from a guy who's a small guy going, Hey, the SBA guidance says we got to go to hell if we make more than a third off. It. And I'm like, that, that effectively kills them. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it was one of those things where it, it was like, Nothing short of you have to undo this and make these people eligible um, will do. And now you'll hear the first part of a conversation I had with editor John Ralston about a couple of old Oscar winners and maybe some snubs along the way. This conversation went long, so you'll hear the first part this week and the next part next week.
One of the many casualties of the coronavirus pandemic has been the movie industry. Many films have been pushed back, and with concerns that infections could spike again in the fall, many are wondering what these delays could do to a release schedule smack dab in the middle of the flu season. So for today's fun segment, we're going to take a little trip down memory lane. Last week, editor John Ralston and managing editor Elizabeth Thompson squared off over last year's best picture, Parasite. Today, we thought we might grill our intrepid editor again on a couple of past winners. Maybe by the end of this, we can add a few more classic Oscar winners to your quarantine watch list. With me now to take the grilling is Nevada Independent Editor John Ralston. John, how are you? Hi, Jacob. All right, so we're going to keep this short and simple. I'm going to hit you with an Oscar winner, and you tell me whether it's worth the runtime or if there's one of that year's snubs that's a better watch instead. We're going to start with some recency biased, and then we're going to work our way through the decades really ending in the 1990s because everything before that is is at least reasonable if arguable all right you ready i'm ready okay well where would we start if not the 2018 consensus best picture winner green book which as we all know was an excellent movie that definitely should have won best picture over such films as uh the favorite roma bohemian rhapsody black klansman Black Panther, and Vice, as well as A Star is Born. Is that the correct decision? Did the Academy get it right? You know, I thought Green Book was, uh, you know, it had some good elements in it, but an Oscar winner, no. I didn't think it was a particularly strong year, to be honest with you. I thought Roma was overrated, even though I know people loved it. Um, I thought Black Klansman was a really, really good movie. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been upset uh, with that winning at all. I would have to agree with you. I'll, I'll I'll plug Black Klansman here. Of all the movies in 2018, which I agree was not a great year. I mean, I think any year that a Marvel movie makes it into the roster of Best Pictures is maybe not the exemplary year. Um, but Black Klansman was an excellent film from top to bottom, even down to its political message. You can ignore that entirely, and it's still just a great watch. So uh, Green Book, on the other hand... I watched it on a plane ride and I thought it would end me, but that's neither here nor there. I didn't think it was that I didn't think it was that bad and I thought the acting was good, but it was fairly predictable and just there was nothing like it didn't stick with you, right? I mean, I couldn't tell you uh, much. And by the way, just one more mention on Black Clans when you know me, I keep talking about movies all day. Jacob, I'll try to be brief, but another tremendous performance by Adam Driver, who apparently only gives tremendous performances. He is tremendous. This we can all agree on. All right, moving on here. Well, we'll keep it going. Who wore it best, the Best Picture winner, Moonlight or La La Land? Yeah, that, that was the one where, uh, was it Warren Beatty who screwed up and uh, gave it to the wrong picture? That it was, that it was. I thought, Moon, uh, I thought Moonlight was overrated as, as well. Um, uh, La La Land, I'm a big musical fan, and, and I thought La La Land was good but not great. I didn't think it really uh, uh, transcended the genre in, 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 in any way to be a, a, a best picture. I enjoyed both those movies, but I didn't think either of them were, were you know, Oscar, Oscar caliber. What about you? Uh, I would have to agree with you. I mean, just for reference here, we'll, we'll name some of the other uh, nominees that year. There was uh, Arrival, Fences, Hacksaw Ridge, Hell or High Water, Hidden Figures, Lion and Manchester by the Sea, which is, I actually think, a pretty good roster of movies, but none of them, like, feel necessarily better than the other, like their cultural impact or anything like that. And I'll agree that La La Land, I don't even think that's, um, the, the director's name escapes me. It's, I don't think it's, it's, it's his best movie. I think I probably enjoyed, oh, I forget the name of it, the drumming one, and, and um, 
the drum he, the jazz drummer miles teller is a jazz drummer and uh uh J. jonah jameson from spider-man yells at him right 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 yeah my that was a good movie but not you've reminded me now and this was one of this is one of the great oscar ripoffs because i disagree with you on that roster i thought arrival was one of the best movies that i've seen in the last 10 or 15 years i thought it was that good it blew me away i thought it was brilliant I, I, and, and amy adams didn't get nominated for best actress i think she should have not only been nominated uh, but 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 one uh, i i was blown away by arrival i loved arrival Really, I so I I have a different opinion. I, I thought Arrival was fine, like it was good, but it, it didn't blow me away. Um, I think it was uh, of uh, again. Oh man, I'm so bad at directors today. French name. He's done many movies. He did Sicario and uh, Prisoners and Blade Runner, and and he's now doing Dune. Great director, and I love his work. And maybe because I like all of his other stuff more, I don't know what it was about Arrival, if it was the pacing or the fact that it was more contemplative. I don't even think it was that. For whatever intangible reason, I just never connected with Arrival like his other stuff. I, I can't remember the guy's name either, but you're right. Blade, Blade Runner 2049, again, I thought was a great movie and should have won the Oscar that year. What year was that? 2017, Ooh. 2019, whatever I, it was. Yeah, some, somewhere around there. It didn't even get nominated. Um, that was a great movie. I uh, didn't like the original that much. I thought I don't I don't get the cult around the original Blade Runner, but I thought the re- the sequel was tremendous. Well, the only original Blade Runner worth watching is the director's cut, but that's neither here nor there because we're going to go back in time a little more, back to the year 2012 when Argo won Best Picture. Now, Argo, famously a movie about making movies, was it worthy? Uh I remember liking Argo, uh, but, but that, that's that's the Ben Affleck movie, am I right? About the Iranian rescue, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought it was pretty good. I, I don't remember being blown away by it. What else was nominated that year, Jake? We had movies such as Django Unchained, Les Miserables, Life of Pi, Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook, Zero Dark Thirty, and uh, did I say Beasts of the Southern Wild and Amour? Uh, that, that that I did not see Beasts of the Southern. I always wanted to see that. Um, have you seen that? I have not. That is also, again, on my list of, of things to watch. I was merely in high school in 2012 in my defense. <laughs> so there, there are several movies on that list that, that, I, that I think are better uh, than, than, than Argo. And, and, and Django Unchained is actually, I think, one of uh, Quentin Tarantino's best movies. I really uh, in, enjoyed it. But Silver Linings Playbook is really good uh, as, as well. I'm not sure it's an Oscar-worthy uh, movie and there's one other one you mentioned. Say, say it again. I apologize. Uh, we have Amour, Les Mis, Life of Pi, Lincoln, and Zero Dark Thirty. Yeah, Lincoln and Zero Dark Thirty were the best movies of the year. I I thought Zero Dark Thirty, even though it's very controversial because it people thought it glorified torture and exaggerated the role of torture. I thought Jessica Chastain was out of this world uh, good in that. And of course, Lincoln, you know, uh, uh, was really a great, great movie. I thought. Yeah, Lincoln's probably one of the the better Spielberg efforts um, in the 2010s. So uh, definitely a snub there. I don't know if, you know, again, the, the Academy predictable. Whenever they see a movie about movies, they just can't resist it. It's like... Yeah, that, that, that movie did not compare to the other ones we just talked about. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Matters. We'd like to thank Representative Mark Emiday, Humberto Sanchez, Michelle Rendells, and John Ralston for being on the podcast this week. If you like the podcast, you can find more on all podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, 
or our website, which has a new podcast player, if you click on the Indie Matters podcast on the sidebar. If you would like to support our journey into the fun, exciting, and innovative world of nonprofit local journalism, you can do so by clicking the Support Our Work button on the top of our site. If you want minute-to-minute updates on the situation in the state, you can also check out our coronavirus live blog on our website, thenevadaindependent.com. And of course, if you have comments, criticism, or praise, you can email us at jacob at thenvindy.com or joey at thenvindy.com. People with Bodies wrote our original theme song, and you can find more of their music on Spotify or Bandcamp. They've got a new album coming out on May 7th. Thank you for listening to Indie Matters. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis. And we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>